One of the other laws of nature has to do with the fact that carbon, nitrogen, and sulfur will be in a certain or should be in a certain ratio. Global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Happy holidays. Rod here at A Better Way to Farm, where we increase yields and improve profits. Guys, thank you for tuning in to today's episode, and we're excited to get to share with you. Today, we're going to be talking about sulfur. It's day six. This will be the third of the secondaries, but oftentimes I hear people call it actually the fourth macro. Why is that? Well, because the volume of it that we're needing is so huge that it is unbelievable to me the amount of sulfur that should be putting on that's not. Let's remember, guys, that we have three nutrients that we put on that are negatively charged. We have boron, we have nitrogen, we have sulfur. These all end up in a form in the soil that is negatively charged. Now, that's relevant because some of you may be like me, and up until a few years ago, I didn't realize. You know, electricians call the ground the ground for a reason. It's because it's negatively charged. The earth is the most largest negatively charged thing I know of. And so, therefore, when we put some element into the soil that is also negatively charged, of course, equal polarities react by pushing apart. And so what it does is it, it repels that nitrogen, it repels that boron, it repels that sulfur, and it goes out into the groundwater. Now, we couple that with the fact, and I'm going to talk about this in one of the books. This is not news, guys. The fact is we have cleaned up the smokestacks, we've put in scrubbers, we're burning higher quality coal or we're quit burning coal. We're doing a better job taking sulfur out of diesel fuel. The environment is getting better regardless of what everyone's trying to tell you. Now, that being said, what does that mean? That means that we, the farmer, are going to have to purchase sulfur and we're going to have to purchase boron because those used to come to us in the form of acid rain. We no longer get them for free. Now that we're having to pay for them, all of a sudden we were looking back wishing we could get some more for free. Going to our sheet about the roles of the 16 essential nutrients. Today we are talking about sulfur and it talks about the fact here that number one, it is an integral part of amino acids. Number two, it helps develop those enzymes and vitamins. Number three, it promotes nodule formulation on legumes. That means it's super important on your alfalfas and your soybeans and those kinds of things. Number four, it aids in seed production. Number five, it is necessary for chlorophyll formation. It's not one of the constituents, but chlorophyll won't happen without it. It's important in that process. It also has a lot to do with how we utilize our nitrogen. Guys, you know, there are certain laws of nature that I talk about, and, and people want to, in my estimation, possibly the biggest thing that's wrong in America today is that there's no impulse control. And that has been brought about because of the fact that no one wants to think about being consequences. And they don't think that there are laws. They think there are suggestions. For instance, gravity is a law of nature. If you go to the top of your house and you jump off, you can say, I don't believe in gravity, but that's not going to change the result. You're going to hit the ground very quickly. And so one of the other laws of nature has to do with the fact that carbon, nitrogen, and sulfur will be in a certain or should be in a certain ratio. For every 100 parts carbon, we should have 10 parts nitrogen. We should have one part sulfur. And the problem is our plants actually eat at the second table. In other words, if we have the 10 parts nitrogen, but we don't have any sulfur, 
The first sulfur that we put on doesn't get to go to the plant. It gets to go to set this ratio up correctly. And so therefore, we got to make sure that we have adequate sulfur. And I'm going to tell you guys that most of the growers that we work with are trying to get somewhere to about 50 parts per million, and that is a hard thing to do. If you're considered high at 25, I look for that to change soon. But as a bare minimum, if you don't have 25, you need to be applying a lot of sulfur. So let's dive into uh, my possibly my favorite book here, the one that's easiest to get, easiest to read, least expensive, and it's the Agronomy Handbook by Midwest Labs. What do they have to say here? Well, as they launch off and start talking about sulfur, they would point out to us that sulfur is rapidly becoming the fourth major plant food nutrient for crop production. It rivals nitrogen in protein synthesis, and it rivals phosphorus in uptake by the crop. The largest portion of total sulfur in the soil is contained in the organic matter. Guys, we just keep coming back. Yeah, this is the 12 days of nutrients. What do we keep coming back to? Organic matter, organic matter, organic matter. And anything we can do to not destroy it, anything we can do to improve it is important. Because that organic matter is where that sulfur gets stored. Sulfate sulfur becomes available to the plant through bacterial oxidation of organic matter. And the fact of the matter is, if we don't have the organic matter, we're not storing it. This is important to understand. Plants absorb sulfur as the sulfate ion, and that is not generally retained in the soil. Because the sulfates are soluble, they tend to move with water, and they leach down very quickly under rainfall or irrigation. And this is especially true in uh, low-capacity or sandy-type soils. Why is that important? Well, because what we know is that we have to take that sulfur and we probably almost need to think about applying it multiple times. If you're using 32 or 28 and you're putting on multiple trips, I'm going to recommend that you also put your sulfur in with that every time, that ATS going with it would be a great thing. The ratio of nitrogen to sulfur in the plant tissue is a good, reliable indicator of the sulfur requirement. Sulfur deficiencies could show up as in a buildup of non-protein nitrogen compounds such as nitrates in the plant tissue. As this deficiency reduces the activity of the enzyme nitrate reductase in plants. Guys, when we're short on sulfur, our plants actually get almost a nitrate poisoning. And again, they're saying here, one part sulfur for every 10 parts of nitrogen. And the functions that they point out as important to control nitrate buildup, especially in your forage crops, to lower the pH of alkaline soils and thereby increase the availability of other plant nutrients, to control sodium, calcium, and salt buildup in problem soils, and it's important to reclaim alkaline or saline soils. So those are some of the things that it'll do for us. It brings a lot to the table. It's super important, and we should not be ignoring it. Well, let's talk about the different sources, because they talk about what happens in alkali soils. Alkali causes disintegration of the large soil particles, thus destroying the soil structure, reducing the number of large pore spaces. This makes it difficult to remove absorbed sodium by leaching alone, since its presence makes, tends to make the soil impervious to water. Soil treatments with gypsum, sulfur are useful. Calcium reacts with the absorbed sodium to form sodium salts and calcium saturated or normal soil. With the improved soil condition resulting from the application of these things, 
the newly formed salts can be removed by leaching through the water. What are they saying? If you've got an area that's that you've got a problem with, with it being alkali, that salty area, might want to consider putting on a bunch of calcium and a bunch of sulfur in an attempt to reclaim that. Now let's talk about the forms, guys, because that's important. First, I'm gonna talk about the form that I wouldn't use. Elemental sulfur, the old yellow stuff, makes you feel good because you spread it and it's there. And you can go out and you can see it. Now here's the problem. You can go out next year if you no-till and you can still see the yellow elemental sulfur. What does that mean? It means it's not being used. It takes too long to break down. Plus, let's not forget that the plants will not absorb sulfur. They have to absorb sulfate. And so if we don't have it in the sulfate form, then we're in trouble. So let's talk about these sources. Ammonium thiosulfate. It's a liquid. 120026. It can be applied by itself or obviously co-applied with 32 or 28. Great choice. Ammonium sulfate, 210024. Dry broadcast product. Great choice, especially if you're fighting high pH to help you with that. Number three, potassium sulfate. 005017, 50% K, 17% sulfur. Guys, this is a great product if you're wanting to put potassium down. I, I tell the guys, I talked about this in the potassium, I tell the guys that we work with, the fact of the matter is this, if you're going to use potassium, then we're going to encourage you to not use potassium chloride, but we're going to have you look at potassium sulfate. Yes, it costs more money, but you get the sulfur that you need, not the chloride that you don't. Magnesium sulfate, depending on who you talk to, the, the standard seems to be here 15% mag and 28% sulfur. So if you had low mag soils, this would be a good product for you as long as you needed sulfur. Gypsum, somewhere between 24 and 30% calcium and somewhere between 18 and 24% sulfur. And guys, you can get different ones of these. One's called anhydrite, one is called dihydrite. And the boys up at uh, Calcium Products are firm believers that the dihydrite will actually go into solution quicker, better, easier. And so therefore, it's a better product. And you should be taking a look at that if you're going to be using gypsum, which is a great product. Again, these guys here are talking about what are your symptoms. Well, number one, lower leaves that are yellowish green, stems that are smaller in diameter, and roots that are well-developed, although they're very small in diameter. Although the number one telltale sign for a sulfur deficiency, we've talked about this, guys, is yellowing at the top of the plant. Why is that? Because sulfur doesn't translocate. Some nutrients move very quickly within a plant. They translocate, all right? Boron and sulfur don't translocate very well, so they need to be available in the soil throughout the growing season because that plant needs to keep taking it up because what it takes up goes to the new growth. And so if we are stuck and just dumping it all up front and the plant does some luxury consumption and then all of a sudden it takes a bunch of sulfur in fast, but it doesn't move it throughout the plant, that's why that new growth will look sulfur deficient because that's what is sulfur deficient. Remember that nitrogen will start at the bottom as a V, work its way down the leaf. Potassium, lower leaves, round the edges, looks like they're dying. So we want to know what those symbols are or what those signs are that we've got a problem coming. In regards to sulfur, Neil Kinsey talks about the fact that if we put sulfur on high magnesium soils, it will reduce the magnesium provided that there is already sufficient calcium. 
We have to have sufficient calcium in order for this deal to work. And so just putting sulfur on is not going to be the cure-all. We actually have to make sure we have the calcium there to step up and do what it needs to do. There's a quote in here by Neil that I very much like. And he said, he's often heard it said that the farmer does not need sulfur. Universities are actually on record in several states as saying that farmers don't need that much sulfur for corn. Our work shows that sulfur is one of the most underrated nutrients in farming. Now, guys, that's very interesting because the fact of the matter is there are a lot of people who are still reluctant to do sulfur. I had a gentleman who was going to purchase four tanker loads of ammonium sulfate. I don't sell it. And the guy who could have sold it to him talked him out of it and said, put on more nitrogen. The problem with that was his soil tests were so low in sulfur that it was all he was going to do was create a further imbalance by applying more nitrogen. Guys, it's not about putting on more of something to hide something else. It's about doing the right thing. Again, it's never wrong to do the right thing. Neil talks about the fact of what sulfur does. He comes back across. He says, listen, when it's present in adequate amounts, it helps seedlings survive in cool, moist soils. How many of us plant in cool, moist soils? We want to make sure we got adequate sulfur there. Consider this for an early planted crop, such as cotton and corn, and especially in conservation tillage fields. Adequate sulfur helps provide more root development during the same periods of growth. I have seen 50% more root development in the same fields than, than ones that didn't have adequate sulfate. And so what do we want to do? We want to make sure we've got it out there because it's helped us drive in those roots early when the roots aren't wanting to grow very much because of the fact that it's cold. Although sulfur occurs in the soil as a sulfate ion, the major soil sulfur is humus. We're back to organic matter. The higher the humus content, the less likely there is a need for sulfur. Therefore, the humus level and the rate of its increase or destruction is an index into sulfur availability. The bottom line is the same. Overuse nitrogen and we burn out the humus and equally we destroy the sulfur storage system. Heavy use of nitrogen to cover for sulfur will only translate into less humus, therefore less sulfur to sustain future crop production. And so the fact of the matter is, the more nitrogen we put on to try and hide the sulfur deficiency and it works for a little bit, the more we create a need for sulfur in the future, or we just keep putting on more and more and more nitrogen. We've talked about that. And lastly, by Neil, he says, in addition, low sulfur levels can cause manganese, less manganese to be available to the crop. Low sulfur makes manganese not available to your crop. And so therefore, when we start restricting that manganese availability, all of a sudden we end up with a deficiency in the plant. And we do not want that. We're going to talk about what manganese does here in the next few days. As we start looking at what Schrieffer has to say in From the Soil Up, and he talks about the fact that sulfur is the essential for the conversion of nitrogen into amino acids and the linkage of these amino acids into complete proteins. When sulfur is low, the nitrates accumulate in the plant tissue instead of forming amino acids and protein. Guys, that's how we end up with nitrate poisoning. We do not want to do that. Sulfur is not only necessary for the conversion of nitrogen to amino acids, but is a constituent of two sulfur-bearing amino acids, cysteine and methathione. These two sulfur-bearing amino acids are essential to all animal life, and their presence determines the biological value of a protein. An animal cannot go very long without these two sulfur-bearing amino acids. 
Sulfur is necessary for the formation of chlorophyll and the rate of photosynthesis. Plants with enough sulfur will have an exceptional dark green color that can almost be called a sulfur trademark. Sulfur is also part of the defense mechanism. Low sulfur will invite the invasion of insects and diseases. Guys, this is going to help us drought proof. This is going to help us have less disease. If we, you know, we can fight disease with all kinds of chemicals, but we could also help fight disease by putting on the right nutrients. Because if we put on the right nutrients, then we get away with it a whole lot better. And we want to make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do to protect our crop and to take care of it. And from the soil up, I'm, I didn't read this, but I know that, that he talks about the fact that he believes that everybody should put on 150 pounds of AMS every other year. Bare minimum. Bare minimum. 150 pounds of ammonium sulfate broadcast before you plant every two years. And so if he's going to recommend that, and, and that book was written some time ago. Both Schrieffer and Kinsey were talking about the fact that in the 80s, they knew they were already cleaning up the atmosphere, which was not a bad thing. However, it was a bad thing because we no longer got sulfur in our rain, and therefore we're going to have to start purchasing it, and that's really important. In the Fertilizer Handbook, and this was written in 1982, guys, this is 40 years ago, right? As atmospheric emissions of sulfur dioxide are reduced by environmental controls, sulfur needs for crops must be supplied by fertilizer sources. That's written by the Fertilizer Institute. They knew in the 80s we needed to be working, looking at sulfur. And yet there are dealers that are still saying, don't do it. You don't need sulfur. And their own institute said, yeah, yeah, you do. You really need to do this. Guys, again, I want to go back and hit that organic matter. Because organic matter just keeps surfacing this year as being more and more and more important. And anything we can do to raise that is a good thing. Because when we raise that organic matter, we do increase the sulfur uptake. Getting into one of my favorite books here. That was kind of sarcasm. That's 1,100 pages of the possible. I think if I had two PhDs, I'd still have to read every paragraph three times. But there is some. if you dig through it, there is some fantastic information in here. And the thing that I grabbed last night as I was preparing is this. Organic matter provides much of the pH buffering capacity in the soils. In addition, nitrogen, phosphorus, sulfur, and the micronutrients are stored as constituents of organic matter, and they are slowly released by mineralization. Here's a little tip for you. Humic acids also attack soil minerals and accelerate their decomposition, thereby releasing essential nutrients as exchangeable cations. Guys, yes, humic acid works, and people know that it works. Why? Because it goes in there and it gets after that organic matter and it makes it break down faster. Now, let's go to the other side, which is fulvic acid. Because fulvic acid, it doesn't make it break down faster, but what it does is it helps the plant to attract cations such as iron, copper, zinc, and manganese from the edges of the mineral structure, and it chelates them or binds them in a stable organomineral complex. So guys, if you're thinking about looking at some fulvic acid or some humic acid, I would encourage that. Why? Because these guys here who both have multiple big PhDs and are much smarter than me know that it works and they've studied it and they've studied it and they know that we should do it. Well, lastly, I'll get into our book, Soil Fertility and Fertilizers, and they're going to talk about visual symptoms because again, we need to know what these are. And they get back into it and they say, unlike nitrogen, Sulfur is less mobile in the plant and therefore 
deficiency symptoms occur first in the younger leaves. That's the top of the plant. Initial deficiency will be a light green leaf. Ultimately, it will turn yellow. Guys, and he, he says right in here that it's, you know, it's hard to tell a sulfur from a nitrogen deficiency if you don't know where to look. Looking at the top of the plant is a pretty good indicator. I believe strongly that sulfur is very underused. For as much as we have overused nitrogen, as much as we have overused potassium, we are underusing sulfur in the lion's share of most people who are out here. And the fact is, it's hurting us. Guys, we do sell a product that has a little bit of sulfur that goes in the row placement, but uh, in the row support, but yeah, I'm not going to come close to getting you enough of that. And we're not telling you, the things that I'm telling you are not because I want you to come and buy everything from us. I do want you to, but I can't. I don't have everything that you need, nor am I going to. I'm very focused on what we do, but I'm also very focused on figuring out what it takes to help you grow more corn, grow more beans, grow more cotton, grow more alfalfa, and how it is that you're going to do that. And you're going to do that by addressing each one of these nutrients in the proper amount in the proper form. We got to really truly get after the four R's. We got to go after and say, yeah, we do want to do the right place, the right product, the right time at the right rate and not kid ourselves, you know, and it's not because it's what's right for the dealer. That's the fifth R. What's right for the dealer? No, terrible plan. I don't care what's right for the dealer. I care what's right for you. And so we do need to get the right product in the right form. Elemental sulfur is not it. And these books say that. Even this book that's put out by the Fertilizer Institute says that. And so we want to be looking for sulfate, ammonium sulfate, potassium sulfate, ammonium thiosulfate, magnesium sulfate. Let's take a look at those as a way to meet this sulfur need. Guys, I hope that you're enjoying this. Hey, still want to see your favorite Christmas sweater, Christmas shirt today? We got on the Believe. That was kind of went with along with the one we had yesterday. So we're looking forward to coming back and, and looking at the next nutrient. I think we're going to be talking about boron. You're going to want to tune in and catch that. It's another underused nutrient that's super important, and we're going to get to it. I hope everything is going great in your world, and I hope you're having a better day. A better way to farm. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.